0: Today I'm speaking with Lynn Twist. She's the best-selling author of the book, The Soul of Money. And today we're talking about her new book. It's called Living a Committed Life, Finding Freedom and Fulfillment in a Purpose That's Larger Than Yourself. So today we'll be talking about how to find what that purpose is for you and so that you can live a life of pure fulfillment. So enjoy. Make sure to grab the official Not Over Just Different Welcome Pack. It's filled with some of the best tools for inspiring your best life, all absolutely free. Just go to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash welcome gift to download yours now. Hi, I'm Natalie Ledwell and welcome to Not Over Just Different, a podcast for women of a respectable age facing life's next new chapter. So grab a cup of tea and pour yourself a glass of wine and join me for some deep, real and candid conversations about everything from health, ageing gracefully, relationships, and how to make the next 50 years even better than the first. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast for this week. This week, I have a very special guest. It's a girlfriend of mine who uh, is the author of the best-selling book, uh, The Soul of Money, and now has her new book that we're going to be discussing, which I cannot wait to get into this conversation, which is called Living a Committed Life finding freedom and fulfillment in a purpose that is larger than yourself. So, Lynn, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, I know a little bit about living a committed life. You <laughs> <laughs> do. And uh, serving a purpose that's bigger than myself and outside of myself, and how it's not necessarily easy, um, and not necessarily was easy, well, when it was presented to me uh, by the universe, by the divine, um, I kind of went down that road kicking and screaming. So, <laughs> 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 so today what we'll be talking about is, uh, you know, what it's like to discover what that calling is. You know, mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we tap into that? And then a little about what that journey looks like. Um, you are also the founder of the Pasha Mummer Alliance, Yes, I um, am. Yes, which we've done some work with as well. So, um, first, why don't we start with um, your calling? Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, was it something that was obvious to you, or was it something that, you know, like me, you went, really? That? I don't think I should be doing that. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, uh, for me, I think it's different for
1: everyone, but for me, I sometimes think, I was in the right place at the right time and that doesn't help other people. So that's not kind of fair to say it that way, but that's how it sometimes occurs to me. Mm -hmm. But I also was paying attention, which, which I think anyone can relate to. I was, I was lucky enough to know Buckminster Fuller, who was a great teacher of mine, who was called the grandfather of the future in the 20th century, a wonderful man in his eighties who invented the geodesic dome and, an electric car in nineteen forty nine. I mean, he was just a total amazing genius. And he had committed his life to see if one little individual himself could make a difference that would impact all of humanity in a positive way. And that was his life experiment. And of course, it was a huge success. I mean, Bucky fuller is uh, is one of the people often called Bucky. His name is Buckminster Fuller as the source of some of the greatest wisdom on the planet. <clears throat> and and then Werner Erhard, who uh, started the EST training, which eventually became the Landmark Forum, which is very, very, uh, a, a very powerful human potential movement training, ontological training that millions of people have participate in. They didn't know each other, but I knew both of them. And I knew I was very young and very, you know, wide eyed and kind of, I don't know. Excited about life and possibility. I had this idea if Werner Erhard met Buckminster Fuller, a miracle would happen. So, um, my friend Ron Landsman, who worked at, we both worked at Est at the time. That's one of Werner's early inventions, this thing called the Est training. (laughs) And um, we had this vision if Werner and Bucky met, a miracle would occur. There's no question about it. So, we orchestrated with the help of a lot of other people a meeting of Buckminster Fuller and Warner Earhart. And, and exactly that meeting, just as we had predicted and prayed and hoped, created a miracle. And the miracle is called the Hunger Project. <laughs> now, a lot of other people were involved, but their meeting was really the kernel that uh, that set the Hunger Project into existence. And the Hunger Project was a commitment to end world hunger. <clears throat> so the Hunger Project once it was invented and created, which was created by Werner Erhardt giving his word, let's all commit to ending world hunger. I got swept off my feet like I had heard, you know, God speak from the heavens or something. It was just, um, it, was, it was something that came to me when he said that. And I was in a meeting of the Est Advisory Board, a group of very important people. And I wasn't one of them. I was Volunteering, I was—I was a staff member then. I wasn't volunteering, but I was, you know, getting coffee and setting up chairs and doing stuff like that, and sitting in the back. And when he said, "I commit myself to ending world hunger," and I think that what's missing, because there's enough food to feed everybody on the planet, um, what's missing is a commitment to end this. Um, Generation after generation after generation lives with it as if it's a hopeless, inevitable tragedy, but it's not. Mm. It can be ended. And so what's missing is a commitment to end it and then we'll figure out how. And I thought, Oh my God, I have to be part of that. And I don't know if it was because as a child, like many mothers, I was told that their children starving in Korea, their children starving on the other side of the world, eat, clean your plate or what it is that when I was a little girl, I, I always just kind of was stunned and shocked to hear that there were places in the world where children didn't have enough to eat, where they didn't have water to drink. It was like, how could their parents let that happen? How could we let that happen? And I remember thinking that was like four or five years old, thinking I'm going to do something about that when I grow up. And then here I am sitting in the back of this room, and this extraordinary commitment is made by this man at the front of the room. And everybody in the room these very important, impressive people. They argued with it. Are you kidding? You're going to, that's, you can't end hunger. That's like saying end rain. I mean, it's impossible. Hunger has been with us since, since the beginning of time. It always will be. And, uh, Werner said, no, uh, let's make a commitment to end it. And I remember thinking, holy cow, holy Christ, holy moly. (laughs) I meant to do that. This is something that's, I'm going to get involved in but not as cognitively as I'm expressing it to you. It was almost like, you know, I I started to cry. I had a, a, you know, kind of a physical reaction. I was moved to tears. And I knew this was something that I would get involved in, not just get involved in, but it was who I was. Mm. And and that became my first huge, big commitment, larger than my own life, Um, and really shaped me uh molded me, um, demanded that I be someone who could fulfill that kind of a commitment. And that's one of the points I make in the book is that <clears throat> a big commitment, if you really make it and it calls to you and you commit to it, it takes you and shapes you into the person you need to be to fulfill it rather than you get yourself all ready to be the kind of person who can make that commitment and then you make it. It's kind of the other way around. At least it was in my life. Yeah. And so you, you, you think about Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Jane Goodall or people we admire as that they were really just brilliant to begin with. I don't know. Who knows? I don't think so. I think they were ordinary like the rest of us, you know, special human beings, of course. But then they made a commitment and the commitment turned them into who they needed to be to fulfill it. And that's, um, that's my theory. That's been my experience. I would bet that happened to you.
0: <laughs> it often happens to many, many people. Well, there is one thing that I want to uh, challenge you on because I don't think you were in the right place at the right time. <laughs> I think that you helped to orchestrate that meeting, not knowing what the end result was going to be for you. Yes, and of that's course, true. when it showed up, you knew with every cell of your being that, that was, it was what you were meant to do.
1: That's that's actually true. That's I actually hadn't really thought of it that way, but I think you're right. I think you're very wise. I'm so glad you're uh, you had me on your program so you could tell me that.
0: <laughs> but there was something similar for me as well. Like you know, I, I created a little twelve lesson program uh, for for children, and and people kept saying, "Well, what are you, What comes next?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'm not qualified. I don't. I you know, I was as lucky to do this." Um, and it's interesting when you go, okay, I want to fulfill my purpose. And I, and I think just having the intention to figure out what the purpose is starts everything moving. And, um, I had some choices. I had a choice between writing another book, uh, to be on a, like was creating a TV show or the kids program. And I'm like, well, it won't be the kids because I'm not qualified for that. And, and I don't really know what I'm doing. And of course, two days later, I have a girlfriend of mine who I've known for years. Actually, I first met this girl when she was a patron at the nightclub that I used to own back in the day. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And uh, she's worked in refugee camps around the world with kids in trauma and she reached out to me. She goes, Natalie, we have to help these kids. They're in trouble. Let's put the program together. And, you know, I'm thinking TV sounds way sexier than that. But but as soon as she called me and, and said, look, let's do this, I felt it with every cell of my being mm, that this mm-hmm. is what I was supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I, I think, yeah, it's and I think, like, like we were saying before, setting that intention to yes. figure out what that is really does start that ball rolling.
1: And also to ask the universe to tell you, to give you signs, you know, to ask whatever is the beyond, you know, the divine. And in, in, in many cases, that's what we call it. The God, sometimes people call it. Faith, uh, the universe, the 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 higher power there is i think there is guidance i think if we if we acknowledge that it's there if we ask for it and we pay attention um we we get a lot of signs and sometimes we miss them and sometimes we don't
0: and sometimes they shake us until we pay attention right exactly mm. you see when it comes to achieving success whether it's financial or even spiritual the outlook we have on life really has the power to determine the opportunities we attract This is why it can sometimes feel like things happen to you and not for you, almost like there's an internal block keeping you from experiencing life the way that you want. But if you're ready to start living life on your terms and want to free yourself from the self-sabotage that's keeping you from your power and freedom, then head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash success training for a free workshop where the legendary Mary Morrissey and I help you to open your eyes to what's really holding you back in life. Our online training is something that you don't want to miss, and it's available to you absolutely free. So again, head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash success training to claim your ticket, and I'll see you there. So how do we figure out what our calling is? (laughs) Well, (laughs) first we
1: pay attention. (laughs) I think we pay attention. I mean, if if, if that's a desire that you have, um, then that's that's important. so there there needs to be that desire, that intentionality, as you put it earlier. um uh, that's that's an important part of this because it's not for the apathetic. It's not for the, you know, people can be depressed and in despair and find their calling, but not if they're apathetic and they don't care. Right. Um, it is for people who who know that there's something more for me. I'm here to do something. I can feel it, and I want to find it. I want it to find me. And, um, it's, it takes a, a, an awakeness, which everybody has the capacity for. So I really believe that anybody who's alive today has a role to play in this great transformation. And, um, and there, if you're lucky, not just lucky, if you're blessed and if you're intentional, you'll find it and then you'll play it. And that makes your life worth living. It, it, it gives you the most meaningful life you could ever imagine, or you couldn't possibly design it. It designs you. Yeah. And that's where the surrender, that's where the trust, uh, that's where the. it's like an act of courage and love, really, uh, to surrender yourself to a purpose larger than yourself. Yeah. It's so much easier to be concerned about your own life starring you and am I wearing the right thing or am I doing a good job or do people like me? That creates so much anxiety, so much noise in our head, so much, so much background noise that becomes almost like the obsession of our lives but when we have a purpose larger than ourselves, all of that moves way to the background. The noise calms down. It's not gone; it still bothers you from time to time, as we all know, because that's human. But it's you don't have time to entertain it because you're busy making a difference with your life. It's yeah. so freeing to be doing that. Yeah, so fulfilling, so freeing, so much surrender, and so much joy. Yeah.
0: No, I, I and also my other challenge was that. Um, you know, I'm a GSD kind of girl. I just get stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> so I was having, I was doing a lot of different projects but not really moving forward with any of them. Mm. And mm-hmm. so part of my ask or part of my intention of the, of the universe or the divine was what can I do that's going to de- move the needle the most because I need to choose a lane. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm putting everything too wide, my energy too wide, then I'm not able to to make a, the difference that I want to make.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so that
0: was, that really helped to narrow down, you know, what, what it is that I wanted to do. And, you know, we, we, we're talking, oh, we found our calling and this is amazing. It's not like it's an easy road. <laughs> no, no, right. Yeah, it tests you. It tests you. It shapes you. It picks
1: you up. And you know, throws you down, it chews you up and spits you out. It does a lot, but it shapes you into who you need to be. And sometimes that's a little painful,
0: yeah. but
1: it's totally worth it. Yeah, totally, yeah. Worth, it.
0: totally yeah. worth it. Yeah, and I like it because it. Uh, what What you're saying there is because I really have changed in the last few years, stepping into this role with the with personal growth studies. I had to become the person I needed to be to have the capacity to hold the space for such a big project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it wasn't like I waited until I was this person. It was yes. the process of doing it that helped me to become that person. Yes, exactly. It's just so great. <laughs> you
1: know? It's so great. I love that. I love that. It's so true for me too. And I think it's just true for people. I mean, I like to think about the great people that we all admire, like you know, Maya Angelou and Oprah and... Mahatma Gandhi and Jane Goodall you know we think that they were born brilliant no they had they were born like us you know kind of ordinary people and they made a big incredibly inspiring commitment and in that moment they began a process of becoming who they needed to be to fulfill it so it's it's a it's it's incredible it's a miracle really it's really a miracle
0: yeah Mm. and so um I think there's a certain mindset that you need to have to step into a a calling of sorts. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those characteristics that you think, you know, we should be adopting to be able to do that? Well, one mindset
1: that I recommend because it's the one that works for me is that life is given to us. It's not um, something we take for granted. Um, If you think of your life as a gift – that's been given to you. This is really the teaching of Brother David Stendel Rost, who's one of my greatest teachers, a 96-year-old Benedictine monk who's just brilliant. Um, he says that life is given to us, it's 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 a gift. And when you receive a gift and you accept it fully, um, and you realize it's a blessing, you realize the reason you have that is so that you can give it and bless others. And so, if that's your ground of being, then you take this life the talent and treasure, the health and well-being, but whatever is whatever it is you you've received, which is vitality and health and you know strength and courage and whatever your gifts are, and we all have them, uh, they're there to be given, not to squander, not to hold back, not to doubt, not to try to fix, not to try and make different. You know, the wonderful quote from Martha Graham. Uh, you know, there's only one of you in all time. And if you uh, only one of you in in all time, you're unique. And if you're, if you block your expression, the world will never have it. Your job is not to block it or doubt it or wonder whether or not it's good enough. Your job is to contribute it and to let it be what it is. And when you contribute it, um, when you share it, it grows in the, in the, in the sharing of it. Um, you know, I have this wonderful phrase I use, what you appreciate appreciates. What you appreciate appreciates. What do you appreciate about yourself and what you appreciate about the world appreciates in the nourishment of your appreciation? Well, also what grows in the, um, in the giving is the gift. The gift grows in the giving of it. Yes. So when you have a talent and a treasure for interviewing, like you do and drawing people forth and inspiring people, as you give that gift, you have more of it rather than you give it away and you have less. You have more, you get better and better and stronger and stronger and more abundant, real natural abundance out of the sufficiency of knowing that you have that gift. And this is the gift you've been given and it's yours to give. And the more you give it, the more you have to give. So it's kind of opposite of what we think.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a a great indication to know that you are on track because I can be tired in the afternoon, but if I have to do an interview like this, sorry, sorry. Let me rephrase that. When I get to do an interview like this, or when I'm doing a <laughs> coaching call, <laughs> it energizes me, and yeah. I'm like, "Okay, this is this is where I'm supposed to be." And <laughs> yeah. when we're talking about finding your purpose, it doesn't have to be some grand, huge, global <laughs> situation. <laughs> you know, uh, at our last ATL meeting, we had um, uh, a woman come to speak. Her she was the uh, CNN hero, one of the CNN heroes, and. Uh, she would go, she goes into Skid Row in LA, uh, twice a week. She takes food and she helps to feed people, but she also does their hair and puts on oh. eyelashes. And, you know, this is kind oh. of what she loves to do. And this is, this is her calling. I mean, this woman, she shared her life experience. She's had a tough life. Mm. The toughest of the tough. Wow. And yet this is, this is, it's a small thing that she does, mm-hmm. but it's her calling. And you can see from, from everything that she does, it gives her life purpose and meaning. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't need to be something global and huge. It could be something that you're doing just in your local community. Right, right. We, we all, we all treasure
1: any, uh opportunity to give of ourselves and and do something of service it's such a treasure it's such a gift it's such a high and our communities need it our restaurants need it our politicians need it we need that so it's a it's an epic time in history where it's an all hands on deck yeah. and and whatever it is that's yours to do if you do it and if you do it with heart and love and a commitment and integrity it lights up your life and it doesn't have to be huge you know i often talk about um a kindergarten teacher who uh who was just going to do it for 2 years and maybe she did did it for 3 but it was a you know until she figured out what else she wanted to do but while she was doing that she was going to leave an imprint on these children that she saw them so deeply that she treasured them so much these 5 and 6 year olds that they would maybe they would forget her name but they never forget being seen known valued and appreciated by this by Mrs Bjork. Yeah. And her way of being with them was going to make a really significant difference in their life, all of them, even the troublemakers, even the little boys who pulled on the pigtails, all of them. That she would see them deeply and she would make that kind of a difference that would last forever because they would go on to be better human beings, they would have children, they'd be better parents. So the kind of difference we can make with our lives even in the smallest and uh a, a smallest interaction. If we have a, a larger context for our lives and our life starring us, that we're here to make a difference and that we can take actions that really leave not just a legacy, but a mark on the world that uplifts, that empowers, that nourishes, that supports, that affirms. That's a life worth living right there. Right. It can be you can be a bus driver and do that. You can be a waitress and do that. You can be you can be anything and do that. So it's it's a part of um it's it's knowing that life is a gift, and it's a gift that we can give that we've been given, and that context, as you put uh, earlier, is um, it, is a way of framing life so that everything that comes to you gives you an opportunity to do more of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. look at what you're you're good at, or what that you like to do, and just yes. lean in, do a little bit more of that.
1: Yes. And know? with a larger with a larger vision, mm. if you enlarge your vision, even something small. You know, that wonderful metaphor, two men are, are bricklayers, and they're oh, the first one is sweating and cursing, and this is so hard work, and we work till, from dawn till dusk, and I'm exhausted, and I don't like the boss, and the, you walk by him, and he has this conversation, grumble, grumble, and then you go like, you know, 100 feet down, and there's another bricklayer, and he's singing, and he's looking in the sunlight, and he's whistling a happy tune and his posture is all happy and you ask him what he's doing and he's not building a, he's not bricklaying. He's building a cathedral. Mm. So same exact task, same building. One is building a cathedral. The other is laying bricks. So it doesn't have to be that you're the architect of the cathedral. You can be laying bricks. I remember hearing a story that um, the people who worked at NASA when Kennedy said, let's put a man on the moon in 10 years, people that were, worked at NASA were so turned on all the time. And uh, people could go into the building and interview the, the janitor. And the janitor would say, you know, if you if you interviewed the, interview the janitor, you, you would ask him, what, what's your job here? And he said, well, I'm putting a man on the moon hmm. because he was putting a man on the moon. That's what he was doing, sweeping, emptying the garbage, tidying up. He was putting a man on the moon. So it's really the context that defines the content yes. rather than the content that defines your life.
0: Yeah. Which is definitely part of that mindset piece. It's, it's it's looking at how does my contribution help humanity? And and like you said, I think we're at a, a time in history where it's important for us to think about what that could possibly be for ourselves yes, and who exactly. we could possibly help. Mm-hmm. Um and so, uh, there is another question I want to ask, because you know you have done a lot of work, you know with the hunger campaign and with Pasha Mama Alliance. and um, sometimes, like how do you maintain your energy? like when you're seeing people in hunger and and you're you know you're seeing the indigenous people and things that are happening to the rainforest and so forth. How do you keep your energy clean or high when you know you in proximity to you know, suffering in the world. Um, well, it's interesting you're asking me that. I, I um,
1: you know, I have so much to say about that, but let me think how to answer that without going on and on. I feel so inspired uh to be proximate to suffering. I know that sounds weird, but because I the path that I've walked this lifetime has included a lot of suffering, not of actually my own, mm. but of other people. In other words, I've been proximate to poverty in Ethiopia and hunger after the 1984-1985 famine. I've been proximate to war, uh, being in Liberia and Mozambique after those brutal wars and working with people who'd been raped and had their hands and feet cut off in, in that horrible conflict or seen the murder of their own children. I've been proximate to, you know, horrible domestic abuse in in places like um, Honduras and Guatemala. So you would think, God, why does she do that? It sounds so awful. The truth is, people living in harsh circumstances are often some of the strongest, most deeply um, evolved human beings uh, that I've met. Their inner strength, because they've had to have it is so strong, even though their outer world is just a mess. Um I I was interviewed the other day by um by a man who was in prison for 14 years, lot a lot of it in, in a solitary confinement. And um he came out of that as a very serious and powerful Buddhist teacher and um and took that horrendous suffering and made um made what I'll call music out of it for the rest of his life and is now a, a very important teacher, uh, runs Prison Dharma Network. So I I know that always, no matter what, no matter how horrendous the situation, there's, the human spirit is there. Mm. And sometimes people going through harsh and almost unbearable circumstances develop their inner life to be so strong that it's the kind of strength that you and I look for in workshops and podcasts and books. They get it from life and, and they get it in a way that is unshakable. <clears throat> I was just with Lema Bowie, who was an African woman from Liberia and she and her thousands and thousands of sisters that she mobilized mothers ended the Liberian war. And they were in, the, you know, that war was just vicious, just horrendous, just unspeakable atrocities and the mothers whose children had been kidnapped for child soldiers, who'd been raped or had their daughters raped in front of their eyes, whose husbands had had their fingers cut off and tortured and then finally killed. You know, they'd seen things that you just wouldn't want anyone to see. She is so evolved as a human being and so has so much capacity for joy and service out of being proximate and engaged in horrendous suffering. And her. Strength to end that war and mobilize thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of women. She's the subject of a, of a film called "Pray the Devil Back to Hell," which is an incredible documentary. Yeah, she was saying to me yesterday <clears throat> that women who are of service are like a sponge. You know, we're we're we are going around cleaning up the surfaces and washing the dishes, and you know, in the world. But if we don't wring that sponge out and take that moment to realize the difference we're making and affirm who we are and stand powerfully for our own well-being, then we're spreading the dirt around. Mm. But we squeeze out that sponge and clean it off, and then we go out and clean up again. Then it's a joy to do it. And I feel um super inspired. You know, I worked with Mother Teresa. I went to the leprosy center with her. Um, embracing people with sores all over their body. I don't know that anybody else needs to do that or even wants to do that. But for me, what I saw in those, those people was the power of the human spirit, the unrelenting, unquenchable power of being a human being and the vitality of life. And that is inspiring. And there's a solidarity that comes with that way of working rather than charity. I call it solidarity. That you and I, we're in the same world together with people who have that kind of strength. And it's a privilege to stand with them and for them. They don't need our uh, pity or our sentimentality. What they need is our partnership and their and our respect uh, so that they can maintain their dignity. Yeah. And that's that's worth everything. That gives me energy. It gives me joy. It gives me inspiration. Uh, it gives me profound gratitude.
0: Well, Lynn, you are the embodiment of living a committed life. <laughs> so if you are listening to this podcast, uh, I encourage you to get your hands on a copy of this book. Um, so is I know that they can, you know, go to Amazon and so forth. Uh, where else can we send them to connect with you and to get more information about the book and, and all the things that you do? Well, the Soul of Money uh,
1: website, soulofmoney.org, is, everything's there. And then Mm. Pachamama.org. And uh, Living a Committed Life now has its own web page. So you can go there to buy a copy or you can uh, go down Amazon or you can go to Porchlight and you can buy in bulk for all your Christmas presents if you want to do that. (laughs) That's really good for me. (laughs) And good for you and good for your friends. Absolutely, Porchlight Books does a really great job of of mailing to people's friends. So that's another place you can purchase. But anywhere you want, bookstores, whatever, it, it comes out on... November 29th ninth, and um, it's available to purchase now. And I'm um, I'm grateful to be with you, Natalie, on this podcast. And thank you for for having me and a- asking me such wonderful questions and being such an example yourself of a committed life and a woman who's who's you know just every cell in your body is uh, is giving, is serving, is making things better for people. And I I really respect and admire you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Natalie. And thank you so much for your time. Great chatting with you today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and haven't yet subscribed to our podcast, please go ahead and do so on iTunes or Spotify or go to mindmovies.com forward slash podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, remember, new episodes are released every Monday morning and we'd love to spread the word. So after you've subscribed, be a great girlfriend and pass it on to a friend who will enjoy this too. And don't forget to grab your official Not Over Just Different welcome pack. It includes some of the best tools for inspiring your best life, all completely free. Head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash welcome gift to grab yours today. Until next time, remember, it's not over, just different.